and I did call him during the season, and we discussed him coming back, and I think both of us agreed, based on our lineup versus Miami, it was a good thing he stayed and, uh, and didn't come. That was Sean Payton, head coach of the Saints, from the day that he announced his resignation as head coach of the team. He arrived in 2006. That same year, Drew Brees arrived as the quarterback after those doctors in Miami. Doctor doesn't know his ass from a glass of sand, as Nick Saban now explains it, refused to pass Drew Brees on a physical after shoulder surgery. The Saints did. The rest is history. History could be repeating itself, although I don't think it's very likely. First of all, we say good morning. Second of all, we say Drew Brees tweeted last night he may play football again. I fell out of my chair, Christopher. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I got that to that point. I mean, like, I didn't take it like that. Drew Brees, I, I'm not going to cancel anything out from the great Drew Brees. I mean, I understand he did have the itch a little bit towards the end of the football season as we saw Sean Payton there. And I do think, you know, to what we what we know and being around Drew, that he seriously contemplated that. He, he did. He thought maybe I'd come out here and just, you know, save the day, be Superman, get us through a – get the Saints through a tough stretch here, get in the playoffs, who knows. I do think he flirted with that. But at the same time, I don't, I don't get that feeling from yesterday's, you know – tweet on social media about you know where his next move is or anything like that I don't know I almost I took it more as wait everybody's gonna speculate about my life and there's just oh I'm breaking up with NBC and won't be on TV for them anymore and I think he's just basically saying like hey stop with all the rumors I'll figure out what the hell I want to do I got plenty of options I don't need anybody or anybody writing press to tell me what the hell I'm doing and I think that's what he was just letting everybody know, that he's got plenty of things on his plate and he can go any direction he wants. I feel like he was almost taking power back from the media a little bit with that tweet to a degree. Let's set this up, though, so people can properly understand the context. First of all, we set the show up. It's PFT Live. I had to stop and think what the name of the show is. It's PFT Live. We're on Peacock, Sirius XM 85. Hello to our good friends in the UK and Ireland enjoying the program on Sky Sports, unless this is one of the days where either A, it's not on at all, or two, you can't find it on the various Sky Sports menu options. But what happened yesterday was Andrew Marchand of the New York Post reported that Drew and NBC are parting ways. And since Chris and I value our employment with NBC, that's all we're going to say about that piece of it. And really, it, we don't know anything. They only wake us up for the unimportant meetings. We're not in on any of this stuff. People think that I know everything that's going on at NBC at every facet and wrinkle at every network owned by Comcast. And sometimes I act like I do just for fun. But I don't know anything. Chris doesn't know anything. But I do know this. Marshawn didn't speculate. All Drew... All drew respect to do or all due respect to Drew. There was no speculation here. I'm going to give him the same treatment I'd give anybody else who's reacting to news. Andrew Marchand was not speculating. He was reporting. There's a difference. Point one. Point two, when you respond to that report with a tweet that says this, despite speculation from media about my future this fall, I'm currently undecided. Okay, that's news. Currently undecided. That's news. I may work for NBC. That's serious. Yeah. I may play football again. Seems serious. Right after he says I may work for NBC. Then I may focus on business 
and philanthropy, 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 easy for him to say. That's serious, too. So you got a serious sandwich there. The meat in the serious sandwich, I may work for NBC, and I may focus on business philanthropy, is I may play football again. So, I mean, and then again, I'm, I'm, hey, if we are, we are nothing if not for the words that we use. I may work for NBC. I may play football again. I may focus on business and philanthropy. Those three all seem serious to me. If it's a joke, you know the Stallone gif where the joke goes over his head and he makes a rocky face? That's me. That's me pretty much all the time, but that's definitely me here. If there's a joke, and first of all, we've well established that comedy is hard, but if there's a joke, I missed it. Now, it takes a turn after business and philanthropy when he says, I may train for the pickleball tour, although, hell, he could do anything he wants. That's the thing. It's hard to interpret any of it as a joke because Drew Brees is the ultimate athlete and competitor. He can do whatever he wants to do. If he wants to play pickleball, he'll probably be the best damn pickleball player that ever played, and I still don't know what the hell pickleball is. It's like a hybrid of tennis and ping pong. It's like, it's like, it's like humans were shrunk, and they're standing on a ping pong table that's my I, I i need to learn i part of me thinks i need to learn more about pickleball and part of me doesn't want to uh senior golf tour coach my kids are all of the above i'll let you know so if it's tongue-in-cheek i it's it's not i just it doesn't get more tongue-in-cheek than that i don't I, know if it really gets I, more tongue-in-cheek than that i but, don't but 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 chris i may play football again i may i i, I may i just you got to make it more clear if you're joking. Okay, that's my point. If he's joking, it's not nearly as clear as it needs to be. And, and maybe maybe he would be good at everything he tries except writing comedy. Maybe that's the, the asterisk I should put on the end of that, that statement. Because if there is a joke, I missed it. Well, I don't, now, I don't it, think it, it's a joke. There's a couple things it's in there snarky. that seem... It's snarky. Uh, you can relate yeah, to I know snarky. snarky. No, I know. no, 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 okay. I, no. No, 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 no. I know snarky. This isn't snarky. Not, you can't just It's not a joke. I mean, it's not that. I mean, it's not serious. I don't look okay, at it Okay, you don't serious. think he means it, though. You don't, don't think he means no, it. No, I don't think he means it at all. I, when I he don't. says, I may work... Let's, let's break it down. When he says, I may work for NBC, do you think that's serious Well, I think there's a, there's still a possibility there. Okay. You know, again, I don't know the exact details of that. What what's going on with maybe NBC at Notre Dame? That that aspect uh, right. of it, but I'm cool okay. with this. Yeah. So you take him seriously, right? When he says I may work for NBC, you take him seriously. That's my point. Sure. For, right? There, I don't know. I just don't know enough of those details there. I guess that's when, just when the he part. Said, well, well, he he can he can share as much as he wants. Sure. I, again, I know. I, I, I look. It's just look, for it to come out I, on the day of the Andrew Marcan po- report. I mean that that's where I go into wait. I'm being boxed into a corner a little bit about what I'm doing with my life here. And it probably got released maybe. And Drew Brees didn't like that. You know, the fact that it got released publicly, I don't know. Maybe there was no finality to it. Again, I don't know these little I, again, things. But for it to come out Drew then. And NBC, I, no, I, look, he's clearly reacting to the report, not right. speculation. Again, it's not speculation. It's a report. It is a fact being reported by Andrew Marchand. Could be wrong. Could be right. But it's a report. It's not speculation. It's not somebody sitting around in front of a microphone saying, gee, I wonder what Drew Brees is going to do this right, year. Right. It is a report from a guy who knows a lot in that business. Yes. And a guy who's broken a lot of stories yes. this offseason. Right. And again, we're not commenting on the relationship between Brees and NBC because, number one, we don't know. And number two, we value our own relationship with NBC. But my point is this. I can't tell what he's serious about and what he's not serious about. And and he says, 
I may work for NBC. I take him seriously. He says, I may focus on business and philanthropy. I take him seriously. I may play football again. Well, he thought about playing football last year for the Saints. And I look at some of the guys who are slated to be week one starters, and I say, well, okay, Drew's 43, but Tom Brady's 45. And, well, Drew, Drew's 43, can't throw it deep. Well, well, he can run that offense still. And now he's got Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, Volare, Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know what to think, but I do know what he said. And now we see where it goes from here. He put the ball on the tee, whether he's doing it tongue in cheek, whether he's doing it seriously within the context of the tweet that he posted last night in direct reaction to the report, not speculation that he's leaving NBC. I don't know what, I don't know what to make of it other than what, and this isn't a guy who's got a reputation for playing around on Twitter. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He's very straight laced when it comes to what he says. So his history in the public eye causes me to take what he says seriously because he doesn't come off as a guy that's going to be jokey and snarky and funny. And for all of a sudden to take that turn last night, it's just a lot to it's a lot to digest. Now Peter King adds in Football Morning in America that someone with knowledge of Breeze and we're not allowed to s- speculate on sources, but I have a feeling that his first name rhymes with Sean said that Dree, uh, Breeze isn't playing again, um, and and I, I don't expect him to. But all I know is what he said, and you know it's a tough spot to be put in. I know when someone else is is trying to set the agenda on what your life is going to be or someone has gotten in a hold of information about what you're planning to do and you don't get to to do it on your own terms it may have been his reaction to the fact that he didn't get to do it on his own terms i don't know but regardless, that's what we do know it. we do know so you're you're, you're explaining it is the guy so you know you know he's not into comedy he's usually not snarky on social media we do know like he likes to control his own destiny a hundred percent his own narrative around that a hundred percent too and that's why, again, every rumor in the world this offseason, I don't care NBC or not, is Drew Brees wants to announce football games on TV. That's all you hear from anybody in any network anywhere connected with it. So I got to think that's still the number one thing on his radar. To me, to no, more to th- that report with Andrew Marcan, yeah, I, I believe was more of like what you're talking about. He's taken back the narrative a little bit. He didn't maybe like how it was released there. But there's too many rumors about, you know, hey, Fox maybe doing the games there and being a part of the second team and all of that. You know, and then, hey, we're talking about a guy who's truly competitive and everything there, too. This all comes on the heels of, hey, we're going to give a $375 million to a guy who doesn't, has never announced the game, and he's guaranteed to be the number one guy. So I can see that, you know, pissing off Drew Brees a little too, going, wait, that's going on, and this got released maybe before he wanted to or before he's exactly figured out, and then that leads into, hey, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, everybody out there, but pump the freaking brakes. I may play football. I may work for NBC. I'm Drew Brees. I can do a lot of different things. Kiss my butt. I'm out of here. That's kind of the way I took it. You're, you're, you're kind of coming around to my way of thinking that in the moment, he was serious about it. Because, number one, I can do what I want to do. Number two, I will do what I want to do. And number three, I will let everyone know. Not anybody else, but I 
We'll let everyone know what it is. Yeah, I think there's some I of that to for do. sure. So, but I don't take the football thing serious as of yet. I well, don't. I'm never going to cancel it out. It is Drew Brees. I understand that. And yes, we've seen the tweets about the players, and I'm sure he still can go play and put up some numbers and and do some things for that football team. There's no doubt about it. But I just feel like it's one of those where the way it was unfolded and came out, I've heard zero rumors or anything of the you know nature of him coming out of retirement to do this. Man, he's discussed a lot about you know his family and how happy they were to have him around and not dealing with playing and the pressure of that and everything there as well. So I don't know. The, the, just the facts that I know, knowing him a little bit from the last season and talking ball with him, I would be surprised to see him come back and play football. It's hard enough to get to the truth in this world as it is. But when people say things, I, know. I am going to take them at their word until they tell me otherwise. And if they were joking, well, then the joke's on me because the joke here, if there is one, isn't obvious other than maybe senior golf tour or pickleball. But even then, again, this is Drew Brees, one of the most competitive individuals who has ever walked the face of the earth. That competitive drive drove him to get more out of his God-given ability than he ever should have. Yeah. And you mentioned Tom Brady. I mean, come on, let's face it. Shake hands. Hi. Hey, Tom, let's talk out on the field after game. Come on. Come on. Two highly competitive guys. Two of the best quarterbacks of their age. One of them lands in a spot where he wins seven Super Bowls. The other one gets one, and maybe he thinks, well, if I had the help around me, that not that I don't want to talk about coaching, because coaching, I think, is a wash, ultimately, between Peyton and Belichick, or close to it. But, you know, they, they went through the bounty gate dark ages they had three years where their defense was just historically bad and they still were around 500 then they have this run of of just calamities in the postseason starts with the Minneapolis miracle then you've got one of the worst calls of all time in NFL postseason history with the non-call of pass interference in the NFC championship game then in 2019 hell they've had so many things go wrong I can't remember what derailed them in 2019 then they had 2019 was the Vikings no no, 2020 was was twenty yeah twenty nineteen was twenty nineteen the the push off the Kyle Rudolph push off uncalled pass interference it may have been it was yes because twenty twenty was, was the buck the yeah. bucks right yeah yeah right. in twenty twenty they were up they were up seven One. on their way up to ten or fourteen they were up quarter. twenty to ten right driving Jared, yeah Jared yeah Jared Jared uh, Cook fumbles Antoine Winfield rips it out and the whole game changes right. in that moment right in that moment I think they were up seven on their way to 10 or 14 I think that's what it was I'm not sure but four straight years of just nothing he did it wasn't him yeah just circumstances conspire to keep him from getting to another Super Bowl so he's got to be competitive and Brady's still playing and Brady's getting handed 375 million when he's done absolutely nothing to prove that he's going to earn a penny of it he could be as bad as Joe Montana was. We don't know. Yeah, Maybe sure. he won't be. Maybe he will be. But Fox is making one hell of a bet. And, and, and like you said, it's no secret. Drew wants to do games. And there's been persistent reporting, not speculation, right. throughout the offseason that, that he'd like to land in a spot where he can do games. So the bottom line is he tweeted what he tweeted. And if I'm the Seahawks and my options are Geno Smith, Drew Locke, or Drew Brees, I know which one I'm leaning toward if I could get him. Now, now. He's still under contract with the Saints. He didn't become a free agent. 
He had a contract with those dummy voidable years on the back end. He retired post-June 1 of last year. So he's technically, I am 99.9% sure, on the Saints reserve retired list. So it's not like he just walks into any other right. team he wants to. I'd like to think the Saints would release his rights if he said, please, may I go elsewhere? Unless the Saints say, oh, Jameis Winston and whoever else we have under contract here, yeah, Drew, come on back. You can, you can, you, you can run this offense, even though Sean's not here. You, you could basically be the player coach of the offense and uh, Dennis Allen will take care of the defense. Yeah. Come on back. But um, regardless, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen. And maybe this was just his frustration becoming manifested because somebody else set the narrative, right. somebody else right. put it out there before he had a chance to do it the way he wanted to. That may be the easiest explanation, but still I like to hold people to their words. Because if we if we start giving people a pass before they even say I was joking, I was kidding, I was whatever, it just life is life is complicated enough without giving people the benefit of taking them at their word. Yeah, hey, listen, it's Drew Brees at the the very least, like you're talking about when he says something like, "Hey, I might play football," and his last year of football was not all that bad, and they were one of the better teams in the NFC, and he was a quarterback of that football team. Yeah, it's not that crazy to sit there when he puts out a tweet like that to go, wait, maybe would he do that? And, you know, I, I say this with all due respect. He's the type of psycho that would think about doing that. He is. That's why he's great to the way you explain. He's a psycho. I mean, he's loves the sport. He talked to me last year. I'm going to share this. I don't know. He might get mad at me, but I know when he was thinking about it, he went in the backyard and was like, let me throw some balls and do all that. So, you know, again, that itch, is it completely gone? No. I, as I've told you before, I lived with a guy who played for 15 years, and I don't think the itch really left until maybe two years after he was completely done playing football. And I could still see there being a little itch there for Drew Brees, but it does look like it was a reaction as at this point to me. And I think, you know, hey, we'll talk about it because it's Drew Brees, and when you say that, you're right. We're going to hit on it. I don't think there's any way to avoid it, but I think that's as far as I would go right now until I hear something at least a little more substantial from him or somebody in the NFL that uh, he has been calling around. There are, you know, there is a, it is on his radar once again. Then, then we can really have a lot of fun and unpack it a little bit. Closure is very important to every athlete, really much, uh, pretty much anyone and everyone. Something you do, something you've done for a long time, how do you properly land that plane? How do you get the closure you're looking for? Yeah, And right. And, and do you walk away too early? Do you walk away too late? How do, you, how do you walk away at just the right moment? I'm sure that Drew Brees would have loved to have done what John Elway, Jerome Bettis, right. Peyton Manning, Michael Strahan did win the Super Bowl, and you're gone. Perfect way to have closure to your career. You go out on top. John, it was perfect for John Elway, especially. All those years of futility, back-to-back Super Bowls, wins one, and that would have been the perfect time to walk away. And he yeah. says, nah, come back for one more, and then wins another and, and wins walks away. That, that's yeah. that's yeah. perfection. Right. That's perfection for John Elway. And that's, I think, what they're all striving for, and some are going to get it. Very few are going to get it, and the rest are going to be looking for it. I keep thinking of this quote from Tom Brady from December of 2021 when he won the Sports Person of the Year Award from Sports Illustrated. I imagine not playing, and I imagine watching football on Sundays going, these guys suck. I could do way better than that. And then still knowing in my heart 
that I could actually still do it. If I stopped, I think I'd have to find something else that I'm pretty good at. Look, I I don't think it's reckless to say Drew Brees is probably thinking the same damn thing. Number one, I spent a year watching a bunch of guys play thinking I could be better than that right now. And number two, I want to find something post-playing that I'm pretty damn good at. And I think it's calling games. Well, how do I how do I get a spot? You know, the musical chairs yeah. thing, you know, the, it's it's winding to a conclusion. And if there's going to be a spot in 2022, you know, there's 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 some uncertainty at the top of the Fox lineup, maybe there's a spot there. So or or pickleball or senior golf. And again, it sounds like a joke, but but I if he if he wanted to do it, and he committed himself to it the way he committed himself to football, he would end up being pretty damn good at it. Sure. That's, that's why I don't see much of a joke there because this is, like you said, he's a psycho. He's going to do whatever he has to do to master whatever it is that he chooses to do. Yeah, no, no question. He's not. He can't play the senior golf tour though. He's not fifty years old, so he's got to wait there. He's got to make the real. Well, PGA he's got tour. seven years to get ready yeah, for it. He's got seven years, but yes. He is, but also within that psycho, I think this is the type of psycho that would look at that news that breaks on Sunday and be like, what the hell? I I wasn't ready for this to be released or, you know, maybe not all these details are figured out yet. And I can see him being the psycho to go, hey, you know what? I'll let everybody kind of know what I'm going to figure out with my own life. You know, so I could see that going either way there. As competitive as he is, certainly. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So, I, you're, I mean, we've, we've, I think, unpacked all the different psych, psychological angles that this could have gone, certainly. And we'll keep our eye on it. Hey, the Saints. We just, like should, we, have, we just should have had him call in this morning. Well, hey, we should have. We should have. Andrew. Uh, you know. Let's have, a, let's have a little chat Do here. you work for NBC or not? I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> We'd like to know. Let's break this out here. I know, because you're right. People think we know, like, the details of this kind of stuff. And it's like, our bosses don't tell us this stuff. I mean, no, we can't be trusted. Oh, yeah, we find shot. out just like everybody else. <laughs> I know. So, uh, but but hey, I, I mean, the Saints, their team. We've talked about that. They are ready. They're a good football team. They have made some nice additions to the team. And I certainly don't think either one of us or, or anybody that really follows the sport closely looks at it. And especially after the draft, you you can go. The Saints think they're a player in the NFC. And when you look at them on paper, you go, they should be a player in the NFC. The NFC is not that great, and they're certainly one of the handful of teams you sit there and go, I could see them in the playoffs 100%, no doubt about it. Let, let me just throw this out there, too, because I assume that he would want to return to New Orleans and play for the Saints. I would think if so, he would right? Back, yeah, right? Right? All due respect to Jameis Winston and whoever else is on the depth chart, Ian Book, Andy Dalton. Is he Andy Dalton? Yeah, was, Andy Dalton's he's there. there. Yeah, he's yeah. back up, yeah, right now. Who else is there? Is it It's Winston, it's Dalton, and it's Book? Ian Book. Why and, do I think there's oh, somebody else? I think there is somebody there. I mean, ta- we're not counting Taysom Hill anymore. Taysom Hill doesn't count anymore. No, I know, but work no, anymore. I'll look it up. Go ahead, talk. Room. I'll look it up. Um, um, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out there because I made the suggestion earlier that between Geno Smith, Drew Locke, and Drew Brees, I would take Drew Brees in Seattle. I, I mean, if we're only talking about three-yard passes in Miami, <laughs> would I mean, really, really, would you? Would if if right now for this Miami team, as it's constituted, with Tyree Kill, with all the other additions they made this offseason, Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds, they just added out uh, Melvin Ingram last night. You know, they they. 
they they have kind of a vibe. And yeah, remember, it was Miami. That was, that was a team. He he wanted to go there in 2006. The Saints were a plan B. He wanted to go to the Dolphins in 2006. It was it was the doctor doesn't know his ass from a bag of sand or however Nick Saban phrased it. Because, of course, it's not the fault of the guy who had complete control over the football operation and could have said to the doctor, I don't care if you're not passing him on the physical. I want this guy. Drew wanted to go to Miami. Would you take, right now, for one year, right now, would you take Drew Brees with this team as constituted over Tua? I don't know what I don't know what my answer to it would be. I'm curious about it, what yours. It, it, I, I mean, I have not thought about it. You know, I mean, yes, Drew Brees would be able to run that offense. And there's no question and make some plays and do things that way. You know, but man, there is something to a young guy who's hungry as hell and trying to prove himself and everything there and willing to take hits and do all of that. You know, I, mm, a year out of football right now. All of that, I don't know. It's clo- It's a close one. I guess I'd still go Drew Brees, but I, I, I don't know if I'd feel totally comfortable with that. Listen, we saw some flaws in Drew Brees' game towards the end, so I can't sit here and pretend as much respect as I have for an all-time great quarterback and the guy and who we got to know last year and all that. I can't sit here and lie and just go, oh, my gosh, if he just walks in, he's going to take any job there is. No, there's a reason it came to an end. There is. You know, so that that's where it's it's a tough one for me. I think though But but what yeah. what what flaws? What flaws in Tua? What flaws? As far as his what game? flaws. No, no, what flaws in Drew? I'm sorry, I was trying to make a point here. Because I think whatever flaws you see in Drew, they're already there with Tua. I hear you. Well, uh, all right, so like I mean again, arm strength is an issue there. You're right with, with both of them, right? I would Tua's gonna move around in the pocket better and do some of that stuff better, let alone scramble and run with his legs. And what I always worry about, because what we see even from the GOAT and Brady or anybody else, we see it in Big Ben Roethlisberger, when you get to the age of Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady for the most part, there is a part of preservation mode like we've talked about. You know, again, Brady's really awesome still, but every game he gets pressured on, man, that game gets shaky as hell in a hurry, just like the, champ- the NFC Divisional game. It was forty. It was going to be forty-five to nothing if the Rams didn't just stop dropping the ball and go. Here you go. So those are the things I would worry about. You know, when you just come back out of nowhere and try to play, the mental stuff and knowing where to go to the ball. I know Drew's going to be all over that stuff and 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 more advanced into it. It's just some of the other stuff that you know I'd want to see at least. Can I see on the practice field? Can we get a workout? Something like that. I think that's the key. If this is something that he was even thinking about, he would need to be out there today working and ASAP trying out for a team somewhere. Yeah. Showing what what he can do. All right. Um, We started this with a clip from Sean Payton. And, you know, look, when Sean Payton resigned from the Saints, the first thought that many had is he's going to take some time off and then he's going to come back and coach. Right. Little did we know at the time that there was this contemplation. I'm sorry. Look, we're getting two and on all worked up today. And all these Dolphins fans are going to be upset with us again. We're not doing it on purpose. We're just doing our jobs here, folks. I'm sorry. But 
It don't apologize been. to idiots, Mike. The it idiots that are idiots, and then they don't want to even know truth. They're idiots. Who cares? Two and on. I don't apologize. Screw you. This is the truth. Here we go. Go ahead, Mike. It Say could it. have been Sean Payton back without even a year off as head coach yes, of the Dolphins, with right. Tom Brady there as the quarterback. Another thing that probably has Drew Brees thinking, I'd like to come back and play. My coach for all those years wanted to go, wanted to go work with my nemesis. I want to come back and play. Like he's he's got he's, there's got to be a storm that's just roiling inside of Drew Brees over all this stuff that's gone. I bet it related yeah. to Tom Brady. Right. Related to Tom Brady. And yeah. and again, you put on a good face for all of it. But come on, we're human beings. We know how it goes. We know how it goes when you have competitors in your business or whatever. You, you, you can say whatever you want on the surface, but you know, at a deeper level, there may be a different story. So, the story with Sean Payton now is, and this came from of all places, not a. Not a traditional sports outlet, but a sports media outlet, frontofficesports.com. Michael McCarthy reported that the Panthers are eyeing Sean Payton for 2023. Now, there's a lot that would have to happen to take it from eyeing to hiring, including the Saints being willing to de facto trade Sean Payton to a division rival. Right. You don't have to you don't have to release his rights for anyone and it's not a trade per se but what happens is team approaches the Saints like the Dolphins did Dolphins admit that they made this phone call team approaches the Saints what would the compensation be if we were to try to hire the guy who's under contract with you they work out the compensation then they approach the coach they get the deal done and the reality is all that stuff happens behind the scenes everybody knows before it even starts that the new team and the coach are going to work out a deal. But you still have to work out the compensation. And the Saints could say, no freaking way are we letting Sean Payton coach the Panthers. No way, no how, never. So that's that's the, the first big hurdle. Yeah, right, there, big hurdle. Right? Yeah. Um, but But what happened was the Panthers issued a statement that wasn't like 100%. Like, we have a coach. This is ridiculous. It was like we would... It, it was just a weird phrasing that made me think, boy, if I was Matt Rule, I would, I would like a little, I would like something a little stronger than what they said, because it wasn't the kind of loud voice, full throated, this is ridiculous kind of comment that I would have expected from the Panthers. Because I would look at it if I'm the Panthers and say this is ridiculous, especially since we're a year away from even having the conversation. So we say all that, Chris, because Matt Rule, coach of the Panthers, was inevitably asked about it. Over the weekend at the rookie minicamp, here's what Rule had to say about the report on uh, Sean Payton being eyed by the Panthers for 2023. With regards to that report, you know, I mean, uh, you know, first I heard of it, Dave called me and told me that, you know, that it was going to come out, you know, that you know, so that they, they had called him and that there was nothing to it. Um, you know, I know Dave Tepper well enough to believe that he wouldn't be talking to another coach right now, um, you know. You know, when he came to my house two and a half years ago, he, he told me that this was a five-year rebuild. I mean, that, that, that's what he said to me. And, and he convinced me then um, to, to come be a part of it with him and build it with him. And, he, you know, we're not where we want to be. And uh, I don't think it's going to take five years. I don't want it to take five years. But those are the words that he said to me. And so, um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to, to taking a step this year. I like our football team. I like the way that we're working. I like this draft. Um, and I have a lot of faith in the people in this building, the way everyone's working, and I certainly have a lot of faith in Dave. That's why I left a, I mean, I left a great job with people that I loved and cared about uh, to come here because I believed in his 
long-term vision to get this thing done. And so, um, you know, do I want stories like that out there? Uh, probably not. Um, but at the same time, I also know a lot of people lose their edge when uh, great stories about you. So I'm going to continue this to grind and work and, uh, you know, see, see where things fall. A little uh, reflection and pondering in that answer by Matt Rule. And the reality is owners are always thinking multiple moves on the chessboard. What happens if things don't work out this year? Where do we go from here? Not that David Tepper would have already spoken to Sean Payton. Right. We know that we, we know enough about the NFL, Chris, that, yeah, a lot of times – I was told by somebody in the league office, 70 to 80% of the time when a coach is fired, the owner knows who's going to be hired next. That's one of the challenges when it comes to having open and diverse and inclusive searches. If 70 to 80% of the time you already know you're going to hire, what's the point of doing a search? What's the point of begging these owners to take their time if they already know who they're going to hire? I, I remember vividly going into the 2009 season, I think it was, Worst kept secret in the NFL, Daniel Snyder was going to fire Jim Zorn and hire Mike Shanahan. Yeah, right. I mean, right. everybody knew. Everybody. everybody knew. Yeah. And that's what he did. But uh, I, I just don't see Sean Payton going to Carolina. I think that from Sean Payton's perspective, it's good to have this buzz that's out there. But everybody thinks he's going to the Cowboys. It's Cowboys are bust. He's not going to go to the Panthers. He's not going to go to a rebuild situation. He's going to go to a place where he thinks he can win sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, I, I'm not going to cancel anything out. And as you've heard me say, and, and I, I think you see it too, to a degree, there is some talent on this Carolina roster. There is. Now, uh, like, like, all right, I, I feel like this is like we could just play fill in the blank. Put coach who might have an ass that's hot on a seat this year, and then we can just put in, oh, wait, Sean Payton might go there. I mean, Sean Payton's going to be, we're going to be talking about Sean Payton all season long. Every team that is even thinking about making a move or firing a coach, Sean, everyone's going to bring up Sean Payton. Everybody. I mean, we are, you are. Why wouldn't you? He's he's one of the great coaches of all time. He's the one of the greatest offensive minds in the history of football. And he's not, like, old or crazy or anything here. He's just taking some time off. So, to me, he will be the hottest commodity in the sport when we get towards the end of the season and talk about, you know, replacements. And it's just going to be about what he chooses and where he, you know, when he wants to come back. But I think we're going to hear a lot of chatter about Sean Payton with some of these teams who might be looking to make a move at the head coach position. There also has to be a willingness by the Saints to do business with whoever it is that ultimately wants to hire Sean Payton. And I know the Saints officially weren't interested in trading de facto Sean Payton now. Right. That was after it all was blown up by the Brian Flores lawsuit anyway. I think if push comes to shove, Sean Payton finds a way to prevail upon ownership, GM Mickey Loomis, whoever. And you know what? If all else fails, I was thinking of this the other day. If all else fails, because this whole thing arises from the fact that the Saints still have Sean Payton under contract. You could pull a Brett Favre and just come back. Fine, you're not going to release me? You're not going to trade my rights? You got a head coach? Well, you got two head coaches now. 
Because I'm back, baby. Uh, yeah. Deal with me. Yeah. I, I if think, you really wanted to be an ass about right. it, you could do that. Right. I, so, it, it almost files under the category of like what we talk about with like the disgruntled player a little bit, right? Or the, you know, that, that kind of thing. Like, no, what, what are you going to do if he says he wants to come back or whatever? He doesn't want to be there. Like, what, what, what? You know, they're just at some point, they're just going to go, okay, fine. Just Sean doesn't want to be here. He wants to go somewhere else. What team, whatever, just give us something respectable for the rights of Sean Payton and we'll call it a day and see you later. And, yeah, that's what I was led to believe. There was already those conversations from what I had heard, you know, with the Saints and the Dolphins to a degree, you know. Uh, so look, we'll look, see where it goes. You don't, it doesn't get to the point where the Dolphins officially make the call no, and right. to it yeah. unless they know right. they're not wasting their time. Right. This wasn't a fishing expedition by Stephen Ross and company. They knew what they were going to be able to do. They knew what they wanted to do. That's why the Dolphins admitting, when Chris Greer, the GM of the Dolphins, admitted on the record at the combine that that call was made, that's when the whole story crystallized. And, and again, it continues to be overlooked by so many people in sports media because I guess they don't want to give us credit, Chris, because we've been on it since the end of February. And ESPN, nothing. NFL Network, nothing. And there's pl- the threads are out there everywhere. Uh, I mean, I know once, somebody at ESPN once, and NFL Network who know that there's a true story. They just, I don't know, they don't report it. So I don't know what it is. Well, it'll come say. week one. Yeah. Sunday Splash Report, yeah. week one. But I agree with you. I think Peyton will be back in 2023. And I'm surprised he hasn't taken a job yet with Fox or Amazon. It makes there's you think always- even more, right? Well, there's been this sense that it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Right. Maybe he's just taking the time. What's the rush? Don't need to do it until week one. Maybe it's a leverage play. Can't fault him for that between Fox and Amazon. Who's going to pay me more? Where do I get the best spot? Where do I best position myself to have that, that A-list opportunity? Because he needs to be in the public eye all season long. I think even if he's not, he's still going to be the hottest candidate going. Agreed. Through. Agree. I think he can do either. He doesn't have to. He doesn't right. have to. And if he's really thinking about coming back. Yeah. Maybe you don't do the TV thing. Maybe you skip the TV. Exactly. Thing. Exactly. That's what I was thinking, Mike. Honestly, when you started going down that road and you were like, yeah, it's kind of funny he hasn't signed on somewhere. Uh, to me, that was more of like, oh, that's because he's just going to sit back and be good boy and, you know, not say anything about any coaches or do anything because he's going to be right back in the thick of things next year. And he doesn't want to be there looking like Johnny Expert evaluating every coach and picking them apart and maybe having talking about some assistant that he wants to hire in his staff next year and says something he doesn't that assistant doesn't like, whatever. I, I certainly could see that being part of his thought. It, because you're right, I don't think he's so big, he does not need to be in the public eye. He's been so good for so long, he could take a year off, totally obscure, and come back and everybody be like, yes, we got Sean Payton. I do think he's smart enough to find ways to be compelling, critical, right. entertaining, yeah. without the John Gruden default of, I'm just going to praise everyone and everything. I'm going to bite my tongue, right. and I'm going to smile, and I'm going to say everything is awesome and everyone is great so I don't burn any bridges. I think Sean Payton, whereas John Gruden refused to even enter the minefield, I think Sean Payton is smart enough to tiptoe through it and find a way to be good and compelling and informative without being this. And I remember how stunned I was 
Because I'm thinking, all right, we got Chucky. Let's go. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be that guy that's always scowling on the sideline, always pissed off about something. We're going to have him in the booth. He's going to be as good as John Madden, if not better. Because remember, he started the first year after John Madden retired. And it's like, this is different. It's a different dynamic. It's a personality. But it's going to be Chucky, and it's going to be great. It's like, would they give him a lobotomy? What do they do to him? I remember thinking that, like, Everybody what did they, was do, what did they do to John Gruden? Yeah, yeah. Hey. He's not saying anything other than everything is great and everybody's awesome and this guy's great and that guy's great. And so Peyton would find a way to be good. But we may be onto something here. Maybe he realizes if I am coming back next year, I don't need yeah. a seat at a table somewhere and it's only going to get in the way of what it is that I'm trying to do. Yeah. I uh, agreed. I think that, that that could be it. He just plays it low key for a year. So what? You know, take a deep breath. You know, don't don't have any obligations. Kind of figure out maybe self scout thyself a little bit. What you want to do? What maybe you want to change coaching wise? You start to slowly think about coaches you want to put together for your staff. All of that type of stuff. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Sean Payton take that route and just kind of lay back and evaluate the landscape of the NFL and try to figure out, you know, what his next move is. I certainly wouldn't. I'm with you. Dallas seems to be the one that everybody look at, but I, I, I don't just pin it to that. I, I feel like he's he's too much of a football coach to be out too long to where I think he's going to want to get in, and if Dallas doesn't present itself, he'll get into the next best situation or whatever the one he deems the next best situation. And to the extent that he kind of wanted to take a step back this year, because the guy the guy works his ass off. He's in the Bill Belichick category. He's not on the golf course. He's not semi-retired. He, he's busting his ass and grinding and grinding and grinding, always looking for any edge, always looking for anything, putting in hours and hours and hours for that one little flicker of a possibility that could make a difference in a game as each game approaches. So if you're trying to take a break, and you're going to work in TV, there's a certain amount of time you're going to have to put in to prepare yourself to be good in TV. You can't just show up, say, hey, who's on tonight, and just fly by the seat of your pants. So whatever work you would put in there is taking away time from the work you would be putting in to lay the foundation so you can come back and hit the ground running next year. I, I think that now that I don't know any of this, we, we are – this is speculation, Drew. This is not reporting. But – how many months have gone by? Three, four months. I think maybe he's starting to realize, hell, if I want to do this next year, next year is going to be here before you know it. I better get to work thinking about who my staff's going to be. I left my staff. I left my staff in New Orleans. Yeah. I got to start from scratch. Exactly. What right. What am I going to do here? Right. How, you know what? Yeah. So. Yeah. Now you're trying I, to I, kind of back channel do that in December and you're going, oh, damn, wait, I got to go to studio and get this ready. And I mean, I certainly could see that being part of it. You know, he, he has said nothing, though, to suggest he's not going to work in TV. If anything, anytime he talks about it, I think most recently it was on Morton Anderson's podcast, the Great Dane podcast. That's great. He said something along the lines of an announcement's coming soon between Amazon and Fox, and we're, we're, this is it's upfront season where the networks meet with the advertisers, and they like to be able to say, "Here's our lineup." So, you know, if Fox is going to have Sean Payton, they'd probably kind of like to be able to say, "We got Sean Payton." It's one of the reasons why Tom Brady was announced last week. A lot of buzz. You want to have the advertisers busting their wallets wide open to buy from you, and so whether it's Amazon, whether it's Fox, whether it's whoever, they'd kind of like to know, kind of like to know what's going on. 
by now, even though Sean may be thinking, I don't need to know until week one, the networks would probably like to get this resolved ASAFP. They want us to take a break ASAFP. And we shall. When we return, why are the Detroit Lions the only team in the National Football League with no scheduled primetime games for 2022? The NFL offered an explanation on Friday. We'll react to that when PFT Live continues right after this. That's awesome. One o'clock games. It's awesome. One o'clock. You knock them out, you go home, you get ready for the next opponent. You're not waiting all day in the hotel, all night, you know, and then you go up. Now you're on a short week, it feels like, so I got no problem, you know. And by the way, you can get flex 5 to 15, so. So who says we can't get flexed? Dan Campbell. I love it. I, You know, sometimes you can be too candid because Peter King and I talked about this on Friday, I believe. Coaches want all their games at 1 o'clock Eastern yeah, on Sunday. Right. That's a dream for them. Yes. Because it's a set routine. You don't have all these funky hours and we're getting home at 3 in the morning from here. And we got to go there. And we got to do this. No, every game starts at the same time. Exactly what he said. The problem is... You don't say that out loud. What you say out loud is they don't respect us. We have to earn their respect, and we will. That schedule is a reflection that the National Football League does not believe in the Detroit Lions because that's the message you need to be sending to your locker room. Privately, you can say, this is great. We got all our this is It's the perfect double whammy. You can use it to put a chip on your shoulder, and you also can take comfort in the fact that it makes your life easier. And he's right. They could still be flexed. Now, week five, yeah, yeah, you know, it's highly unlikely we'll yeah, see a Lions a game before, right. you know, week 11 or 12. Technically, that's that's there in the event you have, you know, a star quarterback tears in ACL week one, and all of a sudden that, that Sunday night game week five or six is like, who the hell is going to watch that? That's why that's there. And the Lions wouldn't be good enough, I would assume, to slip into a spot like that. But who knows? Bottom line, though, is... No primetime games. And Dan Campbell's right. It is awesome from a coaching standpoint. And just don't say that too loudly because you want to be able to tell your players they don't respect us. They don't believe in us. It's on us to make them believe in us. Now, here's where it got a little interesting. The NFL scheduling makers did a media availability on Friday. And Mike North, who's the VP of broadcast planning i think i always want to get the titles right and sometimes the titles are a little convoluted he he admitted it looks odd that the lions only have one primetime game but he justified it by saying that they play they got one of the windows 12 30 p.m eastern on thanksgiving day which is typically one of the five highest watched games of the year so what would you rather have would you rather have that would you rather be in some standalone Monday night game that's going to draw 40% of that audience that you get on Thanksgiving or a Thursday night game on Amazon? And, you know, that's the one thing that the NFL doesn't want to talk about. We don't know how many people are going to watch those games on Amazon. Just wait until that first week of the season rolls around. And, and uh, anybody out there who's watching or listening, you're hearing from your in-laws. How do I get the game on Thursday night? What's Amazon Prime? How do I get Amazon Prime on my, my, my 
32-inch Zenith TV that's been sitting in the corner of the living room for 40 years. Those are going to be all very real considerations. But do you want to be on that or do you want to have that that prime spot on Thanksgiving? And the way that he said it, Chris, he didn't say this, but... You know, anytime you say anything other than the Lions own that spot every year and we respect it, we always have and we always will. When you use it to justify why they didn't get a primetime game, there was just a sense I got that maybe they are starting to think strategically about that those games on Thanksgiving. And when we are going to be as careful and as meticulous about all 272 games and when they get dropped, when they get scheduled... I just, for the first time, got a sense that maybe there are some people at 345 Park Avenue that would like to take away the Lions' entitlement to that game, that maybe they think they can put a better game in that spot. Well, I hope not. I do. I, do. I hope not. I, I love the tradition of it. I mean, yeah, we've been, you know, the Lions have not been good. I understand that. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the year they take it away is the year the Lions will become a Super Bowl team, and they'll have, like, a Joe Burrow at quarterback, and we'll go, why the hell have we taken it away? You know, let's just – Wait it out. It's a great tradition. It is absolute, absolute bull crap that they use as an excuse to go, we're not going to give them pride night games. I mean, that, that's bull crap. This is baked into the tradition of the NFL. It has nothing to do with the primetime games. So that that I don't agree with. And then when you look at teams like, hey, there's Houston out there and, uh, you know, the, the Carolina Panthers who have some games that are primetime and you want to go, oh, I mean, I don't even – are those teams more exciting than the Lions? I, I don't think they are right now. Not with that head coach. I don't. So it doesn't make it doesn't make sense from that standpoint. Uh, it is a little weird. Uh, and honestly, the Lions, I, I think this is one of the, the first years in a while where I'm kind of excited about them. I mean, they, they showed some real progress at the end of the year. They got a coach who I think is going to sell it to his team the way you did. First off, he's going to sell them, hey, it's awesome. Screw the NFL. We got one o'clock games. Screw them. And then he's going to make it into let's make them flex us into it. They don't want us. Let's make them flex us into the damn schedule, and then we'll bite off their kneecaps. That's the way – I think that's the way he'll look at it. But I'm with you in the fact that I don't like the hiding of the behind the Thanksgiving Day game thing. And I hope they don't change it. I mean, we're changing enough traditions in the NFL. I like Detroit at 1230. I like that. It's either a, a ridiculously lame excuse. Yeah. Or it's an opening of the door to ending Detroit's hammerlock. Because right. why would you point to that? They have it every year. That should have been the follow-up question. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They have this every year. Don't act like you're giving Detroit some sort of a, of a prize. Well, you know, we thought about giving you – we could have given you a primetime game or we could have given you the early spot on Thanksgiving. And we really sat down and thought about it, and we decided to let you keep the early spot on Thanksgiving. That's what was weird to me. When you have that kind of a conversation about it, you imply that it's something that was given and thus it's something that can be taken away. So for the first time ever, I thought – and, and would it surprise anyone to learn that there may be some people in the league office who are trying to maximize the eyeballs for these games, thinking, why do we keep giving the Lions this spot no matter how bad they are? They should have to earn that the way that you have to earn a primetime game. We're going to put the best teams in those spots because whatever it is that we draw, when it's 
X versus Lions. But they won't say that about the Cowboys, I even, bet. We'd get even more. Yeah. Well, because the, Cowboy, the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, but hey, out. if they have a bad but, year, screw but, off. But, get off but, my Chris, TV on Chris, Thanksgiving. Chris, but the Cowboys draw no matter how good or bad they are. If the Lions drew no matter how good or bad they are, they are they'd be in primetime five times like the Cowboys. That's, I, I, know, that, I get that's it, the but reality. the Cowboys, I, I, I understand it's a reality. I, I understand that. But, yeah, the Cowboys, I know, they have, a, they have a big brand. I understand that. But they don't always deserve all they get from that, that aspect. You know? So, I mean, it just, again, I, I don't know. The merits for the merits, I, I, I don't understand. I guess I'm just arguing to argue that. You know? No, but, but, yes. but look, they opened this door. So, it's either a flimsy, pathetic excuse for ignoring the Lions in primetime and not finding one spot for them. With 17 games, 18 weeks of windows, you can't find one spot for the Lions at night. You got Jaguars, Jets. I know, that's what seems weird. Stand alone, and you can't find a spot for the Lions, the team that you have picked for hard knocks. They got quarterbacks. You can't find a spot for them. That's why. That's the other thing, too. It's the yeah. Lions and Jared Goff's their quarterback. It's a double that, whammy, in my opinion. But, and, and again, maybe they're just trying to be nice. Maybe they don't want to say, well, you know, We've seen Jared Goff in primetime more than we care to. We have reached our lifetime limit of watching Jared Goff play primetime games. We would rather we would rather watch somebody who's going to be a little more competitive and show up. Especially, you know, we know we can't put the Lions outside on primetime in December and January because that's when Jared Goff is even worse when you put him out in the elements. So they're, maybe they're just being nice. But if they were just trying to be nice... It's still a flimsy excuse, and it does open the door in my mind. Yeah, I hear you. Why are you justifying this by saying they have that spot? They've had that spot every year for decades, and no one's ever suggested they're going to lose it. So that can't be the justification to give them no primetime game. I just thought that was very odd. And later in the call, there was a question about why the Eagles have so many primetime games, because really, what have the Eagles done in the past few years? Well, they made it to the playoffs last year. And this is where they said, you don't draft your way into prime time you don't trade your way into prime time you play your way into prime time fine if that's the standard you play your way into prime time right that's fine that's fine well then why in the hell are the broncos in seven standalone windows this year yeah seven yeah that's bullcrap. five prime time games bullcrap, bullcrap, an early bullcrap. morning london game and a game that i think is going to have gigantic numbers cbs and nickelodeon the middle spot on Christmas Day against the Rams. They're making the bet that the Broncos have traded their way into the best schedule from the standpoint of visibility by getting Russell Wilson. Regardless of whether it works, they're making the bet that it's going to work. They're making the bet they're going to be competitive in one of the toughest divisions we've ever seen. They're making the bet that Russell Wilson's going to be healthy. He wasn't last year. It's a hell of a bet. Now, most of the games are early. Look at the left side. You got four games in six weeks in primetime. Right. You've got the Jaguars game in London in week eight. Before they even get to their bye in week nine, we will have seen them five times. There's only two on the back end. The only real risk, the only real risk is the Christmas game because the Chiefs game could be flexed out week 14 if the Broncos aren't any good. So their biggest risk is week 16. Regardless, though, you can't say you don't trade your way into primetime because that's exactly what the Broncos did. They haven't been to the playoffs since they won Super Bowl 50. I mean, you're exactly right. I know. That's that's so. I I, I I don't know what to say. We know that's not the truth. And when they say you don't, you know, draft yourself or trade yourself, that's bullcrap. I mean, I mean, it, it's it's some of the things they say sometimes. Again, I'm I'm kind of sick of all people doing this, acting like I'm an idiot and I can't figure out. 
It seems to be like a new thing. Let me just say something because I think you're stupid and you won't really catch on to the truth. I mean, come on. That's the only reason they're on. It's because of Russell Wilson and the excitement there. But, yes, we haven't seen anything on the field. They're covering their butts, like you said, with the early season stuff, certainly. I love the opener. I love it against the Seahawks to start that. I'm all for that. Uh, but, yeah, don't tell me about it's about the merits of, of prior seasons when, when you just throw a team out there like this. <laughs> and, and You know what? I'm going to get myself in trouble, but I really don't give a crap because I, I thought about tweeting this over the weekend. I thought about writing it. Uh, I'm just going to say it. I watched – it was a 70-minute video conference with a bunch of reporters, some of whom, I'm sorry, all due respect, I've never heard of them. And I, I cover the sport as closely as anyone. And so many of them lead by saying, thank you for doing this. It's like, folks, folks, don't thank them for doing this. They should be thanking you for participating. You are spreading their gospel to the world. They're not doing you a favor. You're doing them a favor. And that attitude of we have to be grateful they're doing this, that I think undermines the willingness to ask meaningful follow-up questions, to ask a question in a polite, tactful way that may push back on some of this stuff. Hey, well, wait a minute. Now, wait, wait. You said the Lions aren't in primetime because they have the early window on Thanksgiving. Well, don't they have that every year? Are you suggesting they may not have that? Is that what you're saying? That, that's the kind of question that needs to be asked. That's the follow-up that doesn't get asked. Now, wait a minute. You said, wait, you just said, hey, I got one more question. Before we go, I got one more question. You said earlier you don't trade your way to primetime, and now you just said you got seven national windows, standalone windows for the Broncos. What did they do to earn that spot? Can you help me understand that? But when 70% of the reporters on the call begin by thanking them profusely for doing it, and I know they're just kind of being – I guess that's what you're supposed to say, but let's take a step back and ask ourselves, should we really put our lips on the asses of who's having this conference call? They need people to be on it. They need people to be on it. You're doing them the favor. They're not doing you the favor. But that kind of sets the mood, Chris. And that's why you sometimes yeah. don't get meaningful follow-up. Yeah. So we're left right. to be the bad guys three days later trying to explain what it all means. And there was a lot of oh, BS. I, there was a lot of bull crap that was spewed during that. And there's some inconsistencies there. And, uh, you know. So, again, ask, and, but, yeah. but it's, isn't it amazing? The scalpel-level scrutiny that is applied to the NFL schedule. The NFL has to love that. We are, we are getting deep into the weeds of the, the, the nuances and the machinations of the NFL schedule. I know. They have created something literally it's out more, of nothing. It's more of a reason to do what you talked about last week. I, you know, you for, forget they could they could release this thing over a two week span and still have people paying attention every day, and it'd be the number one thing in sports. I mean, the whole weekend was little tidbits of anything about schedules and this and that and that. I mean, fans love it; they eat it up. They do. I go anywhere. It was the first thing I was asked, Ollie. What do you think about this schedule? What do you think about that schedule? You know, see, people are still talking about the draft. The NFL is still so king in so many ways; it's unreal. Um, wait, I want to ask you this: so, what? It, so, how's your how's your thought about you know Russell Wilson versus the Seattle Seahawks, the first game of the year? Just starting right off with that on Monday Night Football. What what's your feeling with that one? Well, they they I think they fear that the Seahawks are going to stink, so we better do this one early. Yeah, while right. it still has meaning. Okay, you right. Know? 
I like it that it's early, actually, too, just because I think it adds to the bad blood, right? It's, it's still fresh. It's like the Seahawks are going to be like, damn, this guy was our quarterback just a few months ago. Now I want to kick his ass, and how dare he want to leave us so bad? Like, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like the, the feelings and emotions will be extra fresh that it's early on in the season. Um, as compared to, you know, maybe week 10 when, okay, now Russell's really indoctrinated into the, the Broncos' way of life and Seattle's found their own new way of life or culture or whatever. This is still like two teams finding their way, and it's like one team going, we stole your best player, and the other one going, screw that guy. I don't know if he wanted to be here anyways. A couple of other points. One, and this came up during the conference call on Friday, and I don't think this was part of the BS of the 70-minute call. It was explained that they believe that ESPN, ABC simulcast, week one, Monday Night Football, they'll do a great job with it because you got Peyton Manning on the Manning cast who can talk about what it's like sure. to go back and face your old team. Right. 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 He was a Broncos quarterback yeah. who went back and faced his old team. So there's relevance there. That didn't mean it had to be week one. Here's the other thing, too. And Peter King and I talked about this on Friday, Thursday of week one. Bills Rams, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? What a game to start the season. Right. Sunday night, Cowboys host the Buccaneers. Are you kidding me? Right out of the gates, Tom Brady in Dallas taking on the Cowboys. Then Russell Wilson goes back home to Seattle. Three primetime games, week one. Peter made this point. What it's going to do, it's going to create huge ratings. The ratings are going to get reported. And we're all going to think, here's the NFL again, yeah. bigger and better than ever. Right. Because the opening night game, X percent up over last year. Sunday night game, X percent up over last year. Monday night game, X percent up in the ratings over last year. And and after that Monday night game ends, we're just three days away. Yeah. I'm hoping that everyone goes and finds Amazon Prime to watch Chargers Chiefs. I, I think they want to come out of the gate so strong that if there's any doubt about how people are going to watch that game, I mean, I think they are desperate. This hasn't been discussed enough. 20 million plus watch it on Fox for years. Before that, it was a split between CBS and NBC. Thursday night, three-letter broadcast, big audiences. Millions still rely on free over-the-air transmission. It's going to be a hell of a test. How many millions can they get to tune in to Amazon Prime? And, and what kind of transparency are we going to have? I'm still waiting for the Yahoo streaming numbers from a Ravens-Jaguars London game from six years ago. Hey, you got the numbers from that, that streaming-only game? No, they're not ready yet. Hey, you got the numbers from that streaming-only game? No, no, they're not ready yet. Hey, you got the number. I eventually gave up. We never knew how few people watched that game. And it's going to be interesting to see what kind of truth we get and how they couch the numbers, how they frame the numbers of who's consuming the Amazon Prime content. They're making the bet that they're going to get a lot of people to tune in. So so the closing argument is you have a week one that blows the doors off. People are going to be compelled. And I, I still know I'm going to get the call from my father-in-law. I, I, I'll just tell him, come over and watch it here. If he's at home... He's going to be like, how do I get, hey, I want to watch well, Patrick Mahomes yeah. tonight. How do I get the game? Yeah. Well, you got to get his Amazon Prime. But what's Amazon Prime? Yeah. And, uh, you know. I know. Uh, that's just, come, just come over. That's going to be. Just come over. Right. <laughs> but uh, that, that's so. where, I mean, I think you said it. Uh, that, that's what they're trying to do. Set it up. Set the table the right way. And then more importantly, have all the 
older generation that might not be as comfortable with doing it that way or whatever go, damn, I want to watch Mahomes or Herbert. Oh, crap. I don't know how to do this, but for Mahomes or Herbert, I'm going to figure out and call my 56-year-old you know, friend that has some clue on how to get Amazon on my TV or anything like that. Uh, it's it's brilliantly scheduled, I think, for all the reasons you stated, let alone you got two superstar quarterbacks facing off on the first real Thursday night game. Well, first of all, thank you for not calling me 58 again. Yes, and right. Second of all, <laughs> second of all, I am fairly tech savvy. You are. I know. I am. I am. I know. I know how to get all the content where I want. I got yep. all the TVs in the house. They're not very expensive. Remember, we did the thing where I counted all the screens that we have on the property. It's like twenty-five around here, not right. counting computers and phones. And they're all smart TVs. And but it is intimidating. I said this to my wife the other night. We we're watching the last few episodes of Ozark, and you turn on the TV. And it's like a firework goes off with all of these apps that are in front of you. Could you imagine being elderly trying to figure out what in the F you're looking at? So it, it can be very intimidating. Um, I, I remember what intimidated the older people 40 years ago was the microwave oven. Sitting there, the clock flashing 12 over and over and over again, not knowing how to use the thing. I remember my dad put in <laughs> he put in a sandwich that was wrapped in aluminum foil, and it was a firework and a fire inside the microwave. I so uh, anyway, let's take a break. Latest regard, speaking of fires in a microwave, the latest regarding issues with the Raiders organization and also the John Gruden lawsuit moving toward the end of phase one of that litigation. We'll discuss that next year on this Monday edition of Pro Football Talk Live.